Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on blissbusiness.com. interview you tonight and share your story um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one reason is, you you might remember how long ago it was, I don't remember very good, but somewhere between 25 and 28 years ago, uh, I met you because um, I spent about nine months uh, living with my dad and my stepmom because he was he was uh, going through um, cancer, and so I wanted to hang out with him. So I had a lot of packages delivered to the house, and and you were the FedEx driver. And um, you were involved in network marketing a little bit before that, which I want you to tell everybody just a little bit about your, you know, the companies that you've been involved in and why you got involved originally. I think your first company was Shackley, and then you got involved in OxyFresh and then Mary Kay. And, but then we're going to focus in on what you've built with Take Shape for Life because that's really an extraordinary story. So can we start with uh, you just telling everybody a little bit about you and Joe and where you're from and how you first found network marketing and what you did with Shackley and just a little bit about your career in network marketing and your life before Take Shape for Life. You bet. And um, so I hope the sound is better. I just yeah, wanted to playing. Okay, good. So, um, yeah, I, you know, basically got started very young in Shackley. It was when I was a, a young mom back when I was like 19 or 20, maybe 21. And it was my first taste of, of I remember visualizing a poster on my wall that Shackley was taking people to Japan or something. And I was like, Oh, that could be so cool. And I would sit there and visualize myself, not that I really, really wanted to go to Japan, but the thought that I could that I could do something that would earn that kind of trip or that kind of recognition was just really, it was probably my very first spark of what was possible for me and um, in that kind of thing. But then fast forward, um, let's see. I mean, I don't think I did much in Shackley, maybe – I don't know. I don't remember. That was a really long time ago. But um, I remember that also started my – go ahead. Did you go to Japan? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, that was, no. so that was your first failure? Well, yeah, I didn't really think of it that way, though. Maybe that's why I succeeded because I never really thought of it as a failure. Um, you know, I had babies, and it wasn't probably feasible anyway, but it got me – it actually got me on the path of personal development. And that was really the bigger um, the bigger factor. And a lot of network marketing companies do focus on personal development. So I, I was very inspired by that. And, you know, I've read everything. I attended seminars I couldn't afford to go to. I, I would do anything to get to the next thing of something that, that – that's really what my passion was – the spark was for my, my hunger – of um, personal development, and um, 
my quest for truth and my quest for growing as a person. So then fast forward to, um, let's see, how did I even get introduced to OxyFresh with you was I think my dad um, told me about it. I seriously, <laughs> my RAM is full. I, my rapid Actos memory, I'm trying to think of how it actually happened, but I um, I know that the spark was was um, fueled hugely when I met you and I, um, that feeling of personal development and, you know, I just, I resonated so much with your message and with what you were doing and um, the community of people that, you know, I was, that were there and I don't know, then I, I did well in, in OxyFresh and then again, family issues, we moved, I had a few more kids and life was in upheaval and um, I left network marketing, direct sales for many years. I never left personal development, I don't think. I think I always stayed reading and, and listening. And um, and so, yeah, when my next two babies were probably 10 years later, um, I was living in Utah at the time and was introduced to Mary Kay and thought, you know what, I might do that. I could do that. I could stay at home and do that. So I earned my Mary Kay car in about six months, and, and that was a wild ride. And um but then, you know, didn't quite. It was great. It was another step, stepping stone along the way, and um, and then did nothing but directed. I started a youth theater company. We moved to Oregon. My husband then became a commercial fisherman, and um, I had two kids at home that I was homeschooling. The older two were almost gone by that time, and so um, I'm, I'm very much into music and theater. And I, uh, whenever I saw a need in our little community. For music, okay, we need to start a high school choir. All right, I did it. And then, okay, I've got two younger kids that want to act and sing, and there was nobody doing it. So, okay, I'll just do it. So I've been just kind of a, what Mary Kay would call a find-a-way, make-a-way woman. And um, I just did whatever. And it was all really attributed to that um, bottom-line feeling of, I can. what can I do? I can do anything I want. I can create anything. I can. It was that, that feeling of um, what was sparked all along the way. So there's cool. that. So tell us, how you, how you found, tell us how you found Take Shape for Life. Well, um, friends of mine called. It, it has a weight loss component to this company, and I was feeling very uh, depressed and about that part of my life. It was like, how come I can do all these awesome things? But I can't get a grip on that. I had babies in my 30s, and so in my 40s, what, what worked in my 20s didn't work anymore, and I was very hopeless feeling. So friends of mine called, as referral-based businesses do, and um, I, basically to shut her up and to prove nothing would work for me, you know, I said, okay, I'll give this one a shot, keep my record straight that I've tried everything. And um, But I made it really clear to her that I'm not interested in another deal. Like, you know what, like I've been there, done that, bought the shirt a few times, and I'm not, I didn't want to do it right now. I just still was homeschooling those two kids and Joe was busy out on the boat, and anyway, so I just ended up just being a um, a client on the on the program. Actually, I actually after this is the funny thing. So yeah, I was a client for about a week, and when I saw what happened, I went, um, "All right, I don't want to do the deal, but you know what? I'm not dumb either. So when people come up to me, I want to know what to do and what how's you know? Can I just I'll just be this coach thing, this distributor? We don't call them distributors, but it's fine." And um, she goes, okay, that's fine, and no problem. So that whole month of me being, you know, a coach slash distributor, I didn't really 
know anything about the business. And so at the end of the month, she goes, Kim, do you know how well you're doing? I go, yeah, I've lost 25 pounds or whatever the weight loss uh, stat was. And she goes, yeah, but do you know how much money you've made? I go, no, because I don't even understand that part, and I don't even want to know that part. And then she said, well, you're going to probably make about $2,100 this month. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> and uh, I go, you, and that's mine? Like, I don't have to pay that out to anybody else, and that's just like mine? She goes, yeah, that's yours. I'm like, uh, what was that? How'd that thing go again? <laughs> and um, anyway, so that's what started with Take Shape for Life. And that'll be seven years coming up in um, August. July, I was a client and became a coach in August. So, yeah, it's been an amazing ride and um, and really a lot of lessons learned along the way. And you've been a big part of that, honestly. And in my life, in my business, you were a huge – I know this isn't like the stroke Richard hour, but I just got to tell you – you were a huge part of that, of my personal development journey. And uh, so thank you. Thank you. You know, I've tried over the years to get you to give me a percentage of your business, but you, you won't do it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the cool things uh, about this interview tonight, uh, Kim, and, you know, Kim was a little reticent about coming on this call because, you know, Take Shape for Life is one of those technically network marketing companies that does not compete in the network marketing space. They don't identify themselves as a network marketing company, although the compensation plan is structured that way. But, you know, the, the primary theme of these interviews is to pull out from the heroes what their statistics are. I love statistics. I I think they're a great learning platform for people to understand how the business can actually work. And most of the heroes on the call uh, are very consistent with, you know, if they're making, you know, fifty or a hundred thousand dollars a month, they've personally sponsored a hundred or two hundred people, and they were on, you know, some kind of a blitz campaign early on to personally sponsor a lot of people and and they've got if they're making that kind of money they got 20 or 30 or 40,000 people in their group and your statistics are are a striking contrast from that and you know I think that's a um, a function of the product line that you have and the fact that you are weight loss coaches and there's a lot of different foods that people eat as part of the program and they end up spending a great deal money of money as customers and so uh, I'm going to tell people your statistics and then for this call because they're so different uh, I want to focus on how you've built what you've built because the end game for you at this point almost seven year, years in is is extraordinary so folks Kimmy uh, Kim has sponsored about 32 people personally in her seven-year career, and I'm sure she has many, many more that are or were weight loss clients that she coaches. Out of those 32 people, she has 10 leadership legs, and there's still more people out of the 32 that she's still working with. So if we were to interview her a year or two from now, she might be able to say she's got, you know, 13 or 14 or 15 leadership legs out of those 32 people, which 
is an extraordinary statistic. First, that you would have only sponsored 32 people and that you'd have at least a third of them that are not just still active in the business, but you consider them to be leaders that are building their own business. But here's the most staggering statistic. She has about 2,500 active distributors in her entire business, and the business does about $3 million a month in business, which puts Kim well over the million dollar a year in income mark, which I think uh, the times, Kim, that you give yourself a chance to reflect on how far you've come in the last 25 years of your on and off network marketing career and specifically what you've built in the last seven years, those are extraordinary numbers that few people are in our entire profession can match with efficiency of personally sponsoring not a lot of people and converting a third of those into leaders and you know driving a business deep into you know I don't know how many levels your team is but it's probably 10 or 15 or 20 levels deep 2500 active people and 3 million dollars a month in business so now that I've told everybody what you've done the question for you is how'd you do it well, and I, there's there's a couple there's a couple things like number one, 2,500 active um, is probably not exactly accurate. It's probably tw it's 2,500 total, right? Uh, 25 and some change, you know, a little higher probably, but not much. And they're not all active. So um, the other thing is the 32 personals that might have been up to 40. It might have been it's in the 30s to you know in the 30s somewhere because what happens is is when coaches quit. Um, that I don't re like. I don't remember what the max was at one time. I just gave you what it is right now, but it was it was never over forty. So I just got to be really clear about that. But it probably doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. But what matters is how did you do it? So let's focus first on um, what are some of the moves that you've made in the last seven years to introduce people to who you are and what you do. So, like, the first step in building a team is you got to start networking with people and connecting with people and and building a relationship and building value and having them see what you do and see it in a way that you saw it, not only as a product and a program, but, hey, there's an opportunity here to make some money. How do you connect with people and how do you share with them your vision of what's possible? Well, um, that's a good word because that is what we teach is called connections. And, um, you know, the basic premise of any company is what are you excited about? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to talk to about it? And then what are you going to do with them after you've talked to them? If they become a client or a distributor or a coach of yours at that point, okay, we're going to take this road of support, mentoring, training. But if they don't become, if they don't join you right now, what are you going to do with them? So it's kind of like a, a, a fork in the road at that point. And we have very strong, very, very strong protocols and training surrounding those things because the, the values, the basic tenets are I'm excited, I'm going to talk to somebody, and then I'm going to stay connected with them because not every, the majority of people at any given time are not going to join your deal right now. They're not ready. They're not, the stars haven't aligned for them. 
And uh, but if if you don't bug the crap out of them in the meantime, and and you build the relationship, like you said, and you just stay lightly connected with them, letting them know whatever you're whatever it is you are wanting to share with the world, you have a, a system in place to stay connected with them somehow. Um, they're coming when they're ready, and so um, that's that's exactly what we train. We train connections. We we train our coaches or distributors to not be looking for customers or clients. We teach out of the gate to get that out of their mind. Well, Kim, what are you talking about? Don't I want clients? Yeah, you do want clients, but the minute that's what you want and somebody feels that that's what you want when you're talking to them, uh, they're resistant automatically. So when you let go of the attachment to finding a client or a customer and you make it all about what you're passionate about, whatever your program has offered you, whatever your products have done for you, and you make it from that place of pure love of like you light yourself on fire, right, Richard? And then people will people will feel that energy from you and not the energy that you're out to get them to do something or out to sell them something. And uh, there's so many ways we can communicate that. Um, well, Kim, I don't say it like that. Yeah, well, if you think it, they're going to feel it. So let go of the attachment of finding a client or customer and and or a distributor and just say what is – tell your story in a concise but powerful way that's true, authentic, and then ask for permission. So, for example, in our case, this is what it would sound like. I would call you, hey, Richard, it's Kim. You got a minute? You'd say, yeah. I'd say, okay, you know, I'm, do you want to hear something exciting? You'd say, yeah. Um, this is what I call collecting yeses, actually. And um, and I would just say, I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I lost 50 pounds in about four months, and it was the easiest thing I'd ever done. I was really hopeless and feeling pretty depressed. Um, friends of mine called, and I found out, and basically I didn't believe it would work. But I tried it. It was the easiest thing. I feel so good. My energy's up. I sleep better. And you know what? I've I've actually decided to become a health coach with this company, and um and with this program. And I want to get the word out. So here's because there's people that need my that need it out there. And I want to just uh, you know you know people I don't. Could I send you some information about my program? You're going to say yes. I'm going to say great. You know. And while you're looking at the information, could you? If anybody comes to mind that might be suffering with any, like diabetics or high blood pressure, anybody with weight-related issues, would you forward my information, if appropriate, onto them? They say, oh, yes. I say, great. What's what's the best email address for you? Okay, good. And if I'm out and about talking, I get their phone number, too. And um, I'll say, you know, and it, depending on how they're, if they're like, what? What is it? Oh, my gosh then I'll set that follow-up call within 48 hours. I'm just like, yeah, let me call you back after you've gotten it, and maybe you'll have questions, or I just want to make sure you get it. Um, so when's a good time? I set the follow-up. And then the last question I ask them is, you know, and would it be okay if I update you occasionally on how my program's going, how things are going? And I shut up. They say yes. Because you know what? They are so relieved at this point. If I've come from a place of unattachment, and love and just being purely authentic about what's happened for me, uh, they're, they're going to be so relieved that I didn't ask them to do anything hard or uncomfortable. You know why people don't like salespeople, by the way, as a rule? This is what I discovered once when someone came to my door selling stuff, and I didn't want what they had, but I didn't want to tell them no. That's why people don't like salespeople, because they don't want to tell people no. 
They're uncomfortable to tell people no. They want to say yes naturally, but they don't want what you've got right now. So you've put them in a hard spot. And so when I just make it very um, all about me, getting the word out, you know people I don't. I want to help as many people as I can. Could I send you? Could I da-da-da? Can you, I update you occasionally? Yeah, okay, great. Hey, Richard, thanks. I, I really appreciate it, and I'll send it to you uh, later today, and I'll give you a call back in a couple of days just to make sure you got it. Sound good? Bye. Like that phone call, I don't start with how's your mom and how's your wife and how's your kids and how's your job. You, don't you hate those that, those phone calls when people do that and then go, oh, by the way, yeah, that's why you really called. So don't don't start with all that other stuff. Let's just get right to the point, be honest, be upfront, and it's just a connections process that's magical. All right, I'm coming up for air now. Go ahead. You haven't you asked them any question that they're inclined to say no to. You haven't asked exactly. them to buy. Nope. You haven't asked them to join your deal. You haven't asked them to come to a meeting. You haven't asked them to get on a webinar. You've just asked them to take a look. Yep. And what do you send them, Kim? What is the what is the uh, system that Take Shape for Life uses to send to a prospect? Well, there's um, there's a few things. You know, there's some cool slick videos that people can use. Um, their coaches can kind of tweak their own. You know, there's some um, autonomy here in what the coach decides to send to their people. You know, some people keep it very generic. Uh, they don't want people necessarily Googling Take Shape for Life and finding out what it's all about beforehand. I want to connect people to me. Um, so it just depends. Everybody kind of has their own um, thing about that, whatever they want to do. But there's a lot. There's a lot to choose from. Sometimes it's a generic website. Sometimes it's just um, some, a collage of before and after pictures and some stories. Um, and then you just have your, your contact information. It's a Facebook group that you can invite people to. Like, it just depends on, you know, what the coach wants to send. But the key thing is, is following up because, as you know, like, and what I said earlier, very few people, you'll have some what I call credit card throwers right now. Like, depending on your level of trust with them, um, they, they might say, I don't care what it is, Kim. Uh, here, I got to do something. Here's, I don't even care what it costs. I don't care what it is. You'll have a percentage of those. But majority of people need some layering and need – so when I call back on that follow-up, then I have a whole, you know, explanation. If they ask me right now on that collecting yes call, um, it, well, what is it? No, just tell me now. I, I don't, as a rule, I don't tell them right now what it is because, number one, I don't have time. You're in a hurry. They're in a hurry. You, you said, hey, do you have a minute, not do you have a half hour, right, when you called. So um, I don't. I leave them wanting. My mom always said, leave them wanting, leave them longing, not loathing. So don't make them hate that they got on that phone call with you because you've gone on and on and on, as new distributors a lot of times do, talk way too much. And and then when you call them back, if they let you, if they call you back first, no, no, I want to, can you tell me about it now? All right, well, twist my arm, I will, you know, like I'm going to, but I want it to be under my terms. I want it to be where I can really sit down and listen to their health and goals, their heart, you know, what their life goals are, if that's appropriate. Like, I want a good 15, 20 minutes where I can really explain the program and find out from them what they're looking for. So if you're all anxious about having that happen right now, then the feeling is that you're really still looking for a client right now, like you're out to get a sale. And um, anyway. So if I ask you, uh, if you call me up and you say, do you have a minute, Richard, and you're collecting yeses, Somewhere in that, I ask you, well, 
Kim, what is it? Is this like a pill? Is this uh, a powder? Is this, you know, like working out 20 minutes a day to a video? What is this? What do you say? I would say, um, and honestly, in seven years, I've never had anyone really say it like that at all. But if that was the case, I would say, um, actually, no. It's a program that's about balancing your blood sugars. And there's some cool things, but really, it really depends on your health goals, how it works. So, um, yeah, I would love to tell you more about it. I just don't have time right now, and I called you, you know, out of the blue. So when would be a good time for us to have, a, you know, an in-depth talk about it, like 15, 20 minutes? You have time Thursday, like set up that time right then. But I don't put them off, but I don't engage right here. Don't engage if you can help it fully because at the end of that call, here's what I find. At the end of that call, if you engage and you're out to like really have this happen right now, they're probably not going to buy right at this time. They're not going to buy. They need layering. They need some thought. They need some processing. So what they do is they hang up. And they go, oh, because you've given them just enough to hang themselves, right? You don't, you haven't really had time to find out about them. That's the key thing in anything you're doing. It's not about what you have. It's about what they want and what they need in their life and what kind of fit, you know, it's the relationship. When you sit there, you taught me this, Richard. When you ask people these questions about themselves, who do people love to talk about? Themselves. So when you're engaged in asking those questions, um, they feel and they are honored. That is how you find out about people. And they it's about them wanting to partner with you. It really the product or the company or the opportunity actually becomes a secondary thing. They want to be with you. They like you. I can tell from Kimmy's uh introduction, people love her. People love so I don't care what she was talking to people about, whatever it is, they're going to go, I just want to be around you because I like you. People know, like, and trust you. That's 99% of every referral-based business. So when you're asking people uh, authentically about themselves and you're listening, um, and then, then you go, well, and sometimes it's not a fit. For, it might not be a fit for the person with your, your company or your product or whatever. And you can just... You know, you can have the honesty to say, you know, I don't know. This might not work. This might not be for you. It's it's fine, but I'm glad that we're friends and we can stay in touch. Does that make sense? Like, you're not all about getting the sale. Yeah, that's beautiful. <clears throat> beautiful. So um, when, you're, when you say, hey, when you ask them, hey, can I stay in touch and let you know how it's going, how do you stay in touch with people that – you've connected with and you want to keep them sort of warm and yeah. fuzzy, what's your system for that? Well, we just, uh, in our program, it would be just like maybe a before and after picture with a story and real quick. And I, my thing is it's a, we call it connections email that we just created and, you know, people, coaches can use it uh, on our team or whatever and, and um the thing is, it can't be long. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, if you can't read it on your phone, it's too long. So don't send a whole bunch of text. Um, make sure it's pictures or something that represents what you're about and a story. Stories are the most impactful thing, not a bunch of facts. People don't buy facts. They buy stories. They buy people. They buy feelings. And so make sure that whatever you're sending represents in an emotional way um, and a quick, concise way, um, 
something that is represented. And so in our for our business, for example, you know, the day will come where they're not ready right now. I've had people come three years later, four years later. My best friend didn't come for like four years. Um, and Facebook is also another way to stay connected. You just can't always know that someone's going to see every post you put on. And I don't believe in slamming your business on Facebook all the time. That's my personal feeling because it's relationships. So, um, but that's another way. When they're ready, it's in the back of their mind. Um, they they know what you're doing. They've got it in the back of their mind. They're probably even interested on some level. But here's what the the, the cardinal sin I think of network marketers um, is the the repetitive um, like that that reputation of just bugging people, you know, or every conversation leads to it. Every, you can't be at a baseball game or a, a church or at a you know potluck or anywhere because everything leads to your business. In fact, I find that I don't talk about it when I'm out and about with people that I've already talked to about it, and it drives them crazy because they bring it up to me. And they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that deal, you're, yeah, that's that, I know, I know you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I change the subject. I don't bring – they have to come begging me if they want to talk about it because I just avoid that reputation where that's all I talk about with people. That's beautiful. Okay, so I'm going to – digress a little bit uh, and ask you a ridiculous question, but I think it's it's a question that everybody needs to hear the answer to. And the question is, where do you find people to connect to initially? Um, well, my personal feeling has always been, and I've taught this from day one, uh, you're the, the relationships you have, start there, start with the easiest people. But, Kim, I've done five other deals, and I'm tired of calling them. They all know. Yeah, well, you know what? It's okay. If you really realize the power of each person that you know and that they will lead you, if you do it right, everyone is a connection to 500 people you don't know. So, yeah, start, obviously, make your list. I mean, just make the list. And, um this is the biggest obstacle. You, you know, one of the things that um, that people struggle with in the beginning is they're going to think this, they're going to think that. They make up all these assumptions. We make it all up, right, Richard? You taught me that. They make it all up. And so the thought precedes the action. So when you have all these things about, well, I'm not going to call those people because I've already called them about other stuff I've done or they've known every wrong thing I've done in my life and um, I don't have credibility, you my my personal feeling is, as a rule, you have the most credibility with the people who know you, even all the dumb things you've done in your life. You still start there for nothing else, for practice. <laughs> practice doing it. If it's hard, okay, do the hard thing because it's just a matter of getting through the numbers enough. Do it. I'm a choir and theater director, right? Like that's the other thing. People have a hard time not being perfect at something right away, so they avoid it because they're not good at it. Well, think about anything you've gotten good at in your life. You weren't good initially. So give yourself like 100 people to just, you know, let's go, let's go. Create some urgency about just getting down the road and screwing up a few times or practice with your mentor coach, your trainer. Call them and practice. Just like what I did with you, Richard, that little dialogue thing. I have all my coaches role play and practice with their coaches to try to, you're never going to sing like Celine Dion by listening to her sing. You got to sing. You got to open your mouth. You got to start letting the bad notes come. And as soon as the bad notes come, oh, that's a bad note. Okay, I'll fix that. Oh, okay. And don't judge it. Just do it and then get better. That's all there is. But 
I don't know if I answered your question. I went off on another tangent there. But. <laughs> All right. Well, let me uh, – no, you answered it, but let me ask it uh, at a different layer. Uh, when you're out and about in the world, Kim, so you travel all over the world and you're very active in the community and your church. So give us some examples of how you connect with people. So people move through our lives. We move through people's lives constantly. Most networkers let all of those possibilities go past them. You probably, from the sound of it, you're not talking to everybody about your business, but what is the first way you connect with somebody? So if you're not going to just pick up the phone and call them and approach them straight with why you're calling, so let's say you and I are at a kid's baseball game, and you have the opportunity to talk to me. So the opportunity is to talk or not to talk. I expect you do talk to me. And what does that conversation sound like? Like how do you break the ice? How do you start a conversation with me? What's your first move in connecting if we're physically together? Okay. So let's say, we're yeah, we're parents at a baseball game, and I mildly know you. Maybe I've seen you around, but we end up sitting by each other. And we've got an hour and a half or whatever that we're going to sit there. So, yeah, I'm going to ask you about you. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to make up some small talk. Oh, my gosh, this is great weather or this is sucky weather or, how are you know, hey, what, you know, yeah, how's Joey? Yeah, what grade is he in? Whatever. Like, I'm going to talk maybe a little about your kid. It's not scripted. This is what I call a soft skill where you're just going to kind of let the spirit flow, so to speak, of what and listen, and listen for opportunities to just ask questions about them. So I'll say, what do you do? Uh, when I say that, what do you think they're going to say back eventually? They're going to say, what do you do? Well, and I don't say I'm a health coach because that doesn't mean anything. I say, you know what, I'd say what I do. You know, I, I actually, and what I do is even more than a health coach. I give people hope financially and mentally, like it's a, it's a threefold thing in our program. So I'll say, well, you know what, I'm actually um, a personal development coach, and I help people get healthier mentally and physically, and it's very lucrative, so it's kind of exciting financially, too. Um, but, you know, that's that's what I do, and I have people all over the country that are in my community, and we just kind of help each other get healthier in all ways. And I'll say something like that, and then I sometimes they just perk up and go, well, what's that? Or, wow, I need that. <laughs> you know, I want what you're having. And... Um, and we just just have fun. The biggest thing is just listen and st- keep asking them about their life, you know. And even at a checker at a grocery store, I'll go through the line and, you know, they're just going through the motions. And I'll say, hey, smile at them. How are you doing? How's your day? What's the best thing that's happened to you today? You know, oh, nothing. This is a sucky job. I'm almost, you know, whatever. Oh, my goodness. You know, and just be a light to somebody. Be a light. If you're shy and you can't strike up a conversation, here's what I tell people to do. Practice um, making eye contact with five people every day. Start there. Just make eye contact. Some people can't even make eye contact easily. Start what you can do and start with eye contact. Then move the next week to saying hi to someone. And hi, how are you? Start that. Then do that. And then, see, just gradually build your way up to having a, having a conversation with someone. And if you look at people as people who have hurts and needs, and in our world today, everybody 
everybody's looking for someone to love them and care about them, everybody. And that's why we can hide behind Facebook sometimes, and it's it's not going to scratch the itch. It's not going to make people happy. It's not going to make you happy. It's not going to make those people happy. People want community. And so um, especially in the social media world, we are so lost in social media that we've lost community altogether. So you are – you have something now in a, in a person-to-person opportunity, a business, uh, um, this community of personal development and growth and uh, being on the same journey together. You have what people want. Um, and so don't, don't hide behind all the other things that keep you apart from people and keep your hearts apart. Keep, keep your heart open and keep your eyes. You know, listen from what's in it for them and not, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? But you're going to start that way. But work through that quickly so you can really listen to them. That's what I really believe right now. Um, The way uh, I language that is to just be curious about people. And if you're curious about people, the only form of conversation that you're going to have with them are questions. And you don't need to know what the questions are. Just trust your intuition because if you're curious, you'll ask questions. And then the next questions you ask are probably going to be based on what they just said if you're listening. And if you just keep being curious and keep listening, you honor people spiritually at a level that very few people in their life have ever honored them. Even if they're a checker in the grocery store, and yep. you have that kind of light, shining light, shining love conversation that you described, and maybe you take it even to another level where you're actually listening to them, they don't forget that because yep. their family doesn't listen to them, their people at work don't listen to them that way. You know, it's all conversation is, is generally let me tell you about me and let me tell you my opinions and what's going on with me. And very few people uh, do that role reversal where they source other people. And when you source other people, they become interested in you and connected with you. And they will give you the yeses because you've touched them like people generally in their life don't touch them. So... Moving past connecting and getting people to join your business, you, Kim, have built an extraordinary team of thousands of people and millions a month in business. And I expect how you have done that is you have created a community and a culture that holds people together with inspiration and support. How have you done that? How have you built a team? How have you created community and culture? Wow. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think if if you did know, would you tell? <laughs> yeah, of course I would. I think it just happens as a result of of who you are, because you know my team, the team that the leaders I have on my team are are all just reflections of um, people who resonate with with my philosophies and with um, they've created their own cultures as well, like your children, you know, and their children and their children. But the philosophies of there's no, there's, 
you're safe to say anything. Every time I've had a group a leadership meeting with my team, with my leaders, there's nothing that they can't say. There's nothing that we don't talk that we're not allowed to talk about. We there's no man behind the curtain that we're afraid to look at. So we we talk about stuff. We talk about hard stuff. The team talks together. You know, they they express their um their fears. There's only about a handful of things that everyone experiences. It's all pretty much the same. In every mentoring call I have, I look for where is someone feeling like they're not enough. That's where everything in life comes from, problems, is I'm not good enough, I'm not loved, I'm not worthy, I'm not perfect. Um, Something of that nature, everybody comes from that place. And either they've produced great results to compensate for that or they they wallow in it. They go one of two paths, it seems like. And so, but they're both coming from that same place of I'm not enough. And so you can't ever get there from there, try to to compensate. You'll never compensate. You'll always still not feel good enough. Um, So we talk about those kind of honest things, beliefs, and and, uh, places that people come from that they probably have been created since childhood. That's when we all decided those things. But we believe them. We believe our thoughts. So I teach everybody to look at their thoughts and don't believe them and question their thoughts and question their beliefs. And when everyone realizes that everyone's playing the same game, um, it becomes pretty humorous, actually. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that is coming from that place. And so we, personal development is the whole thing. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna participate in that kind of mindset shift, then yeah, you're not gonna really see much leadership in your, in your business, no matter what it is. So, um, that's the culture on my team, honestly, and I don't know what I've done specifically, but um, we we well, you, interact you a lot. Men- you mentioned two systems, and they're probably just so prevalent in your culture that you don't see them as strategies, but you, you mentioned mentoring calls and leadership meetings. So yeah. speak speak to what, what are the systems that are that just permeate your culture? What are the things you do, like – do you have retreats? Do you do you have regular mentoring calls? And who do you decide to mentor? And how how do you structure those calls? And you know, do you get people together for socials? Do you go on personal development you know programs? What are some of the things that you've done to inspire your team? Yeah, that's good. We we in fact, you were our first um, guest that came to a team event. Just the fifth Okay, that's not me doing that, by the way. Um, <laughs> just want to make sure you knew. Okay. Um, so you came as a guest speaker at our first team event, and uh, so we had a two-day team event where you came and spoke, and that has made a big difference. Thank you for reminding me. You came. We've had a couple of other speakers that have come in future years. Uh, we didn't have a team event this year, and I felt it in my business. So. Um, that keeps our culture. It keeps us with language that works. It keeps us with philosophies that work. And then we have private Facebook groups at different levels of our of our organization, where I totally believe in synergizing my my pe- my leaders together. There's way more power in the synergy of those leaders together once we're all on the same page um, than than what I could give individually to each one. So there is a definite family community kind of feeling. Um, but, yeah, team events have been a big thing. We do do, like, team mentoring calls, uh, leadership mentoring calls. But they're not necessarily set in stone all the time, but they're they're periodic and they're regular. 
Um, and then just my own personal leaders, you know, that's all varies depending on their levels of the business. And, like, again, there's nothing like set in stone that on Tuesdays at 10 from 3, you know, I don't have anything like that necessarily with everybody. But I think you're you're right. The team events that keep us all um, using language that's the same, philosophies that are the same, I can feel when we leave, we left our team event with you, oh, my gosh, you know, people were speaking, you know, Brooke Ease. And there was, you know, there was language um, you know the visions and the and the master plans and the visualizations and the all that stuff that you talked about in in your vision workshop with us and um, yeah that has made a big difference that's true. The, the event that you've told me about a few times that I was uh, wondering was you used to and I don't know if you still do go to Sundance every year for three days and do that kind of work. What's that about? That's the company. So the field, there's, okay, so there's the company, the field of the company has a leadership event at Sundance. That's true. And so a certain level of business in the entire company goes to that. But what you came to was just a FISC team um, event. So I'll pull my team together and we'll do separate things apart from the company events. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh Changing gears, because we only have about uh, 10 minutes left. <clears throat> um, I know you don't like negativity, but sometimes negatives can support people. What is the single biggest mistake economically, personal development-wise, leadership-wise, Recruiting-wise, what's the single biggest mistake that you've made in your seven years? I know it's going to be hard. I thought you were going to say that a person can make, and that would be easy. But for me, uh, oh, man, how do I say I don't think I have made one about that? Um, (laughs) Isn't that terrible? Um, I'm thinking. I know I have. I know I have. Um, well, let's see. Okay, when I started, honestly, okay, here we go. When I started, it was my way or the highway. That was my mentality. It was like I was so driven and so right. I was right. I was right and don't even think about thinking differently. And so um, about two, three years maybe into the business, and I, hey, I was very productive being right. Honestly, I, I produced a lot. I probably made it to the top of my company during that time. But I also left a lot of people damaged along the way and um, lost a lot of coaches, lost a lot of friends. Um, but I had my blinders on, and I was right. And so um, a few years ago, I had a big shift, a love epiphany, so to speak, inside of me spiritually. And um, that made a huge difference in me. It made a – and then – it influences my team, and it actually probably influenced all of Take Shape for Life in some ways because the love message, and now uh, the rightness, I still look and go, Kim, is this about you being right? And sometimes it is. I mean, believe me, that's a deep groove. Um, but that's that's it. That's it. It's like I would rather be right than happy. I would rather be right. I had to be right because um, I don't know why. That's just my human nature, I guess. And um and it, it gave me good results on many levels, but it didn't make me happy. And it didn't produce um, the long-term satisfaction fulfillment 
um, feelings that I have now. So now when I have a very, very, a variant opinion about something with people I'm working with on my team, either above or below me, um, I try to look and go, all right, you know what? That's fine. I'm go do that. Go do it that way. Let me know how it works for you. And I honestly have to come from a pure place of meaning that. Um, but yeah, that would be a huge thing about working with people. Now, uh, I know we could talk another hour about what you've done right, uh, right, but because you've done so many things right to produce that result. Just trust your intuition and tell us what's the number one single thing that you've done. Perhaps you did it once. Perhaps you've done it over and over again that has produced the biggest result in your business. Uh, massive action. Explain just, that. Just, just start, start doing something. Like, pick up the phone. Start talking. Start. Get out of your head and into your heart. And start get going action, and it, we overthink it. We we that's the paralysis, you know, analysis paralysis stuff. Like, just stop thinking and start loving, and get it out in your mouth and start talking. Nothing happens. Oprah's not calling. No one's calling you. Going. I bet you have something really cool to tell me. I bet. And if you could picture everybody you come across and anybody you know sitting by the phone or waiting for you to come up and love them by telling them from your heart what's going on with you and sharing and connecting and listening and asking, just start doing it. Just start talking, listening, asking to start massively. Um, massive action. Just get into massive action. Just set a goal. Say, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm going to talk to 10 new people today and I'm just going to get to know, I'm going to ask them two questions. I'm going to ask 10 people two questions today. If that's all you do, do it. Get into action. Nothing happens. There's nothing to it but to do it. Do it. Just go. Open your mouth. Beautiful. So um, if you had a couple of minutes to go on a rant, um, there's a lot of people on this call. And, you know, for all of us, there are defining moments in our career when we hear something, and we're maybe we've heard it before, but tonight we're ready to hear it, and it's that one thing that makes a pivotal difference. Like we're never the same after we hear this, and it unleashes the power in us to go create and contribute and serve and impact people such that they follow us in a massive way. If you were to go on a rant for a couple of minutes, a passionate love rant, and you were thinking at it, thinking of it from the standpoint of the people on this call will never, ever get to hear from you again. Maybe actually they'll never, ever get to hear an inspirational leader again. This is their last opportunity to hear what could create their <laughs> defining moment. If you went on a passionate love rant like that, what would you tell people? Oh, my gosh. No pressure, huh? Well, okay, the first thing that comes to mind is exactly my soapbox, exactly that. So I'll rant about it for a minute. And that is um, the Bible says, actually, Sorry if this offends you, but it's a let's say there's a parable. There's a there's a saying that goes 
um, love others as you love yourself. And so, like I said earlier, we don't know that we are unconditionally loved. We don't know it. So, therefore, we can't give what we don't have. And so, one of the hugest, this is part of the spiritual epiphany that I had, had nothing to do with religion. It's all about this, who I am, who I am intrinsically, deeply, who I am. And it came about from me getting quiet in my reactive mind. My reactive mind, your mind is going to, your mind's job is to make you miserable and, and make you crazy. If you listen to the stress and the fear and the anger and the bitterness and all that in your mind, uh, that's what keeps people totally lost and um, miserable. So one of the things that I teach heavily in all my team, whether they be a weight loss client or a coach or anybody, my kids, my grandkids, is get quiet. Get quiet in your mind. Meditate. Fine if that word snags you. I call it quiet time for people that don't like the word meditation, but it's honestly go to that deep place inside you which you can find by deeply breathing. Breathing alone, a pulmonologist said, Kim, if people would just take 10 deep, deep breaths a day, it would clear up physical ailments like they would you couldn't believe. But you can hear that deeper intrinsic message of love when you get quiet and get calm and go to that peaceful, happy place which lives down in your I'm pointing to my tummy, but it's that's where I breathe from. And if you can just, I, I do it in classes. I'll do a three or five minute meditation where I'm just having people with a mantra saying, I am on the inhale, loved on the exhale. And just in your mind, I am loved. And there is something magical that happens inside people when they connect to that part of them. Because, again, like what you were talking about, nobody's talking about that and nobody's telling them how unconditionally loved. They don't hear it. And that's where that resides. The message of they are loved is deep down there. So that's a journey to start on, and you can kind of take it off, in, you know, where it feels to go. But that message right there will change everything in someone's world. It will, it will make, it'll help you know who you are, and when you know who you are, then now I have something to offer the world instead of just everybody, you know, being lost balls and tall weeds trying to just make themselves feel good and prove to themselves that they're loved. Get get quiet. That's my biggest rant, I can tell you. In a calm, peaceful way, of course, I ranted, didn't I? <laughs> Kim Fitz, you are a an extraordinary inspiration. You have so much clarity, peace, and power and truth in your experience and your wisdom. This has um, become right up there with, I might have two favorite hero calls so far, and now this is one of them. You have so much more to give. I can't wait to interview you in another two or three years and see uh, what kind of ripple effect you have created with people and business and health and spirituality and I I'm, I can't wait to see what you've created for your own life and Thank you. what you're doing and how you're living and and what you're experiencing. You're you're an extraordinary uh un network marketing network marketing leader. <laughs> Thank you. And thank, thank you, you for joining us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, 
we're at time. I hope you enjoyed what Kim had to share. If you want to go back and take notes, you could develop an entire training program, and you could write a book on network marketing leadership just from what Kim talked about tonight. So, Kim Fisk, I love you. Thank you for spending this hour with Bliss Business. Thank you, Richard. I love you, too, and thanks for everything you've uh, given me over the years, for sure. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.